still typing the announcement because I'm adding the other stuff in that we're going to talk about. I think the stream has started this very second, so it's actually going. So I got to press this button over here. Done yet? No. Now I'm done. <laughs> You're done now. What? Welcome to Faz Radio. We are here for you and really for us because we're, we just like talking and hearing ourselves talk. And that's why people like talk shows because they like hearing other people talk. And maybe we'll confirm some of your biases to you we'll, with our biases. We'll confirm our biases to you. Remember, everything that anybody says has bias. Unless it doesn't, well, it doesn't have bias. It has pizzazz. Well, uh, the <laughs> bias could be a logical bias. It could be an illogical bias. It could be a preference. It could be an opinion. Whatever. Yeah, I like that intro too, Mister Zoro Gala, because that is an NFT that I bought many years ago. Now, many. It's. I think we're at many now. Um, do, oh man, we, that, we do we, have. We do actually have other uh, intros. Where's Where's the other intro that we had with the other music? Mm, I I don't think that's in here anymore. Uh, the, we had the game night one. Remember? Yeah, I don't. I think because we stopped game night, I think we pulled it out of there. Mm. We've got yeah. we've got the. Uh... Yeah, we don't. No, have yeah, that's that's not there. Yeah, we do. We do have other Faz music. I, I bought. So this is the music is done by a group called Animatronic. Uh, I think they're in New Zealand or something. And they made these for a set of NFTs that I got called uh, Eternal Clay. And so there, this was that music was actually paired with a, a cartoon character. So I dumped and, and I was given uh, commercial rights to this music. So I dumped the cartoon character, which we could still use as a as a mascot of Faz Radio, because it has like a pair of glasses with like music going through it. Um, but that's where the music came from, and it's awesome music. So that's a plug for the band Animatronic. Um, speak of that, animating. That is fantastic on another level, because it shows that <clears throat> music NFTs hmm. can be assigned uh, rights. You know, and some have those rights and some don't have those rights. Even Snoop, some of his uh, NFTs, his music NFTs, give you commercial rights. Some don't. So that's that's a really, really big 
a big deal when you buy anything music or content related with your NFT. You're going to want to check to see if you have personal commercial. <laughs> can you can you take the the image from that and use it commercially on a T-shirt and sell it to uh, to people on Faz Radio if you want? Yeah, I believe so. I, I, yeah, he I gave you full commercial that. rights. Yeah, I have full commercial rights to a number of the <laughs> NFTs I got, which I do want to use those as mascots for something. Um, in fact, one of one of the the songs that I have, I want to use as as a uh, music for my zip bugs. And once AI gets to the point where it's a lot better about um, composing music, I want I want to use AI to riff off of that music for zip bugs to provide other music for the zip bugs. So I have music for the zip bugs. I have a story. I've been using AI to help me come up with a story for the zip bugs. Um, AI is part of this episode, by the way. Yeah, we uh, <clears throat> we've decided it's it's a good idea. I love talking AI. Obviously, you do. So um, we'll we'll take the second half of of the shows going forward until people scream at us to stop or we watch viewership drop as soon as we're done talking about another topic. <clears throat> but uh, it's fascinating to a lot of people. So yeah, let's let's talk it up. I, I so, like how you picked this bug for the middle, by the way. That's, he looks very radio-like. So so not to sound like a uh, a Faz fanboy too much, but uh, I spent probably a good 40 minutes or so going through two of your accounts full of zip bugs to find the perfect zip bug to, to put in for this overlay. Hmm. And I absolutely love that one, so I went ahead and used that one. Well, he needs this. This little guy needs a little border like we have, so he's he's borderless. <clears throat> he either needs to fade into the background, or he needs some sort of neat border like we do. I don't know. I I tried playing with it, but uh, to fit it all into where it looked halfway decent, that's the best I could. I I made probably twenty iterations of these these uh, templates for us to use. <clears throat> And so <clears throat> I originally had him down further, like where the, the Faz Radio and the Discord mm -hmm. name is. And I, I I think we used that once, and I didn't like it when I well, was reading it back, so I put it back would, to the other side. Just subtitles probably cover him up. But, yeah, um, <clears throat> one of these days, I've, I've been building these these little bugs, their story, and actually their, their images through AI. I start with images of my own and I use it to kind of bias the AI, speaking of bias. Um, so the AI gives me kind of riffs off of my drawings. Um, and then, you know, you can go from there. And the stories are great because it's it's like having your own writing crew. You can you can comment, you can talk to the AI and say, well, I like the direction you're going with a story, but can you do this? And it'll, it'll riff in another direction. Makes right. it easy. So amateur and professional... The difference between amateur and professional yeah. accountability. Tell me what, what this means. So, so a little context. I saw this quote <clears throat> over the holidays, and I apologize for clearing my throat 300 times. I got like no water today. I was so busy at work. <clears throat> I normally drink like four or five bottles of water during the day, and uh, I got half of one bottle today. So I've been guzzling water since I got home, but the frog in my throat is still there. So... <clears throat> I found this over the holidays, and it was a quote, and I don't have an attribution for it, but it's the, the what separates an amateur from a professional 
is accountability. And I went down the rabbit hole of deep thought on that, right? I had to wrap my head in duct tape to keep it from exploding because that explains so much. And when you take and you apply that to crypto projects or your your daily work or your home life or your wife or your kids or anything, anything that's out there, <clears throat> it's absolutely true. The accountability is what's what makes that distinction, what makes that separation. When you look at at people you work with, right? We all know, we all have either you have now or have had in the past day job, right? And there's people that show up that work for seven hours, 59 minutes, 59 seconds. They are there to do the minimum they have to do to get their paycheck on Friday. And you have others who don't look at clocks. They just show up every day. They know what they have to do. They do it. They probably do extra. They provide a great deal of value to the organization. <clears throat> and it's because those people have that accountability. They're accountable to themselves. They're accountable to the organization. They're accountable to everything and everyone around them. That's what, what makes a professional. So <clears throat> then, of course, I go down the rabbit hole. And I said, take this further we know college isn't really what it's all cracked up to be. We could do a whole show on that, too. But it's not about the knowledge that you get, remembering what's in a textbook and regurgitating it on a text, right? What it's teaching you is to be accountable for your actions. You have a result that you have to produce that you're accountable for that is going to that is going to define you as that professional. An attorney has to have accountability for their what they do, how they do it, how they represent people, how they apply the law, how deeply they study the law and learn the law. A doctor <clears throat> has that accountability to the insurance company, to his patients, to make sure that they are deeply involved <clears throat> in determining what's wrong with people and giving them the best course of action. That accountability is what separates those two. And that just blew my mind completely. <clears throat> so, of course, I wanted to ask you, um, do you, do you think that the, those two are, that that statement is, is relevant now that you've heard that and some of the context behind it? Yes. Um, well, that goes back to what I say about evidence. Um, so funny, I was having a talk with people at work about this today. Um, so I'm a computer programmer, software developer, and um, at a certain point, you're working on a project that is estimated that that you're 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 shopping for a project or for somebody to somebody wants something that you can build, and then at some point, you have to give them an estimate. This is what we're going to do for you. This is how long it's going to take. And people find that you are a professional when you give them details and then you hold yourself accountable to those details. Um, if you don't, then they find you to be less professional. And this could be for anything. If you were to have somebody to go install carpet in your house, they're going to tell you what they're going to do. We're going to, we're going to um, 
it's not just put in carpet, but they got to put in the stuff underneath the carpet. They got to rip the old carpet up. They, they need to, to use certain kinds of tacks or glue or something like that. You might want glue instead of tacks. Well, there's, there's reasons why you might use glue and other times you might use tacks. You'd use tacks if you could put, lay down a tack strip. Glue if you can't put a tack strip down and so on, or if you have a weird shape or whatever. So people are going to look professional to you if they look like they have accommodated for all the situations. So yeah, um, accountability is, is what we expect when we, when we, when we look at professionals. So what is your definition of accountability? What, what does accountability mean to you? Uh, reproducibility verification. You know, one of the things that, that I've done for years and, and I've done it on this show even multiple times is being able to admit when you're either wrong or you could be better at something, right? And I'm one of the first people I've been with the company I've been with for my day job now for a little over 12 years. And at first, some of the people looked at me funny or whatever, because I, I ran the warehouse for 10 of those years. And there was, I had, I think, nine or 10 people at the max at one point that were down there. We built it from two people. And I would not be on the shipping side for a long time. And then a couple people would go on vacation. So they were slammed. I would go over there and I would go to ship a package and I'd stop and I'd be like, oh shit, I don't know what I'm doing. And I would turn around and I'd raise my hand and I'd say, hey, I don't know what I'm doing with this, what buttons to push for this international package or whatever. You know, can you, can someone help me with this? And everybody be like, oh my God, you know. At first they did that and I would explain to them, I would rather look silly and stop rather than just trying to wing it and bullshit my way through this and screw something up, right? I'm okay saying, I don't know what I'm doing. And that takes a lot of guts and that takes a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, of humility, you know? I mean, you have to be a humble guy to, to do that kind of stuff. And I'm okay with that because I'm confident in my skills, right? But I I care more about not screwing something up than I do about looking a little bit silly or give a perception of weakness or whatever. To me, that's yeah. that's strength. And I would tell everybody down there, look, if you don't know what you're doing, just stop what you're doing, raise your hand, say, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And we might pick on you a little bit, of course, but we're going to teach you the right way to do it. And that's very honorable and very, very respectable when someone does that. So to me, accountability is knowing where you are and being comfortable with yourself and being able to, to, to say things honestly about yourself, your capabilities and your ability. Well, okay. Let me, let me add something to that. Um, the reason people don't say, I don't know what I'm doing is because the world doesn't like that. The world doesn't, uh, you, you won't get hired in a job if you say, I don't know what I'm doing. However, if you turn it into uh, a different kind of conversation, uh, that might work a lot better. Um, 
and I'm thinking public facing, uh, inside of a, a business, uh, I don't know what I'm doing, I think is actually a better idea. But uh, public facing, I mean, you might want to ex explain that finding out is the journey. You know, if, if you're the president of the United States and you want to and you don't know how to solve a problem, then you can simply say, finding we need to find out what's going on and we're going to start something to figure this out. That's mm -hmm. enough. And you could say, right. yeah, I wish we knew. However, no one knows. Now, there's now there's some people who might say they know. And that's that's the thing is it's kind of funny in this world with the way psychology works. The people who are more likely to get hired are the people who say, I know exactly what to do. But there's a difference between the person who says they know what to do and the person who just does it. And that, I think, uh, when, when, when you're hiring, is hard to find out. It's hard to have a 30-minute conversation with somebody in an interview and find out that they actually know something. Um, because you don't get to see them do it. You just hear them talk about themselves. Um, and they're bullshitting you most of the time anyway. <laughs> well, actually, both sides are. So the hiring manager is bullshitting the the potential hiree and the hiree is bullshitting the hiring manager. Both of them, the hiring manager wants to understand what's going on and maybe wants to figure out who you are and maybe wants to get you for as little money as possible. So he's going to talk up the job, you know, a lot. He's going to tell you how, especially if it's a hard job, they're going to talk up the job a lot and say how easy it is and stuff like that. And you as a, as an interviewee might say, oh yeah, yeah, I can handle that. Um, now, some people, when they hire you, go the opposite direction. They, they explain, they try to talk you out of the job. They say, well, this is a really hard job. And they're trying to be honest, but then the interviewee is still kind of lying, going, well, no, I could still do this. And then there's this, this rinse and repeat thing where, where the people have to keep getting let go because they're, they're not representing themselves very accurately. Anyway, I, I distracted myself. When you're in <laughs> a business, if you've been hired and you're doing something that you've never done before, Saying, I don't know, I think is the best way to do things. But again, it might depend on how you do it. Um, you shouldn't say, I don't know, in a way that looks like somebody else needs to solve the problem. You could say, right, we don't know, but here's how we're going to find out. Well, and, and that's that's something huge. And I used to aggravate the hell out of uh, <laughs> the staff in the warehouse. And I still do because I'm, I'm upstairs now and I'll come down and I still say the same things. And I tell them, I say, don't bring me a problem. Bring me a problem that has a proposed solution to it. Even if the solution is right? wrong. Right. It, wrong, it, it doesn't have to be the solution, but bring me a solution. It's dumping problems. There's there's the accountability, right? Dumping a problem on somebody else is not a solution. Right. Well, no. Well, okay. People who come to you and dump a problem onto you are really just looking to get it out of their court. They don't want to solve the problem. And you can find out those people pretty darn quickly. That's And that's, that's an amateur. That's, that's an amateur. there there's your amateur, right? So I, I, you know, and I think about that and I even applied that phrase because I told you I've been like, it, it, this was, this had to have been like 10 or 12 days ago that I saw this and I've literally been spending hours every day just 
going through a billion different scenarios about this and learning so much and, and having these epiphanies. I applied it to Faz Radio, right? So there's there's the accountability of what are we going to present on this show? What are we going to do to to keep us interested, to keep the audience interested? Are we professionals or are we amateurs? Do we hold ourselves accountable on the show? And we hold each other accountable by by pushing out evidence. The people who listen hold us accountable when they have issues um, with stuff we say, and we've had that happen over the years as well. Um, I I think we're doing a pretty good job. I really do. Well, I've I've always felt that this show is two guys talking around a water cooler. Um. If, but if we're going to do that, we at least need to be accurate. And if you're talking around the water cooler, you're not sold on what you're talking about. You're, you're saying, hey, this is what I found out about things. This is what, what I'm looking at today, what Zorro say. In many situations, it's more beneficial for individuals to admit their lack of knowledge and seek further information or assistance rather than providing inaccurate or speculative responses. Yeah, um, because at least other people now know where things sit. It's like, okay. Zorro doesn't know this. Should he be working on this? Well, if we're all, if we all don't know how it works, then we can at least say who's the most qualified to find out. It, it allows you to, to put the right person in the right job. But what happens is you, I think you have a lot of people in their jobs that might have lied to get there or they, they talk themselves up. I cer- I've certainly done this in past jobs. I've, I've said that I've had skills that I didn't, and then I've had to catch up and, I don't do it anymore because it's extremely stressful, but uh, a lot of young people do. Um, Not because lying is wrong, but because it puts too much stress on you. Well, uh, I put put actually a value on telling the truth. Uh, One of the values is Uh, you don't get stressed out. People, humans are almost incapable of lying. We can lie, but then it's hard to hold the lie. And the more lies you tell, the harder it is to keep track. And eventually you're going to crack unless you're just a savant or something. But that pretty much most people cannot keep a lie going forever. So, yes, lying is stressful. And that's probably why it's a good moral thing is because the humans, human body has a hard time dealing with consistent lies. Well, I think I think speculation is good, though. But uh, just like we do on here, and I've seen a lot of the other uh, reputable casters and content creators will say that and will say, you know, hey, this is pure speculation. We're just guessing here. We're throwing shit against a wall. We're guessing. <coughs> and and there's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of times when you're sitting with a group of people trying to solve a problem, speculating can help stimulate other ideas and other ways of solving the problem. So there's nothing wrong with speculating as long as people, you don't bullshit people when you're speculating and you're presenting it as fact. That well, That's okay. kind of the difference. Gee, I, I like how you dovetailed into that, uh, into a subject we talked about before the green room, which is, um, this is something you don't believe, but flat earthers. <laughs> See, what they're doing is they're speculating, but... They're actually, in my opinion, trying to find out the real answer. Maybe they don't believe some of the, the stuff that's out there. And uh, they're speculating in order to figure it out. And what a lot of people do in order to explore subjects that they've never seen before 
is to throw up a possible a possible answer and wait for it to get knocked down. And if people aren't around them aren't smart enough to knock it down, then they go about it as if it's fact. That, in my opinion, is what flat earthers do. And actually what a lot of people in businesses do is people will just come in with the wrong way of doing things and then wait for people to prove them wrong. And crypto dovetails right into that because uh, there's a lot of people that just throw shit at the wall with crypto. And what they're trying to do is either one, make money or two, prove an incomplete or present an incomplete idea. Um, that incomplete idea might be gaming with crypto or NFTs with crypto or gaming NFTs with crypto. They start something and they're like, okay, well, we'll figure it out as we go along and there's money to be made along the way. And then slowly over over time, people start figuring out, hey, there is no complete story. This guy's making it up as he's going along. But funny that that's how society moves forward. So in one sense, it's a good thing that people make shit up as they're going along and they try to make it real. And it's bad at the same time. It's bad because it's not a professional or accountable way of doing things. Absolutely. Brought that right back. Yes, you did. So, so I, I, I'm going to keep thinking about this and I want to have some more discussions on this in the future, but I don't want to hog up the whole show talking about it because I could literally spend three hours talking about all the stuff that went through my head with this. So hopefully this stimulates some of our listeners to start thinking about the difference between professionals and amateurs, how to, how that applies to them and take this topic deep, man, because you'll make some startling revelations when you start applying that towards everything else. And I wish I, this is ridiculous. When I saw the quote, it immediately had my mind going a thousand miles an hour. I don't even remember where it was. I don't even think I bookmarked it or anything. I was just so damn excited because it, it literally blew me away <laughs> when I read that. So, uh, I, I don't have, I don't have any, I don't know where it came from. It was on a Twitter feed. It was somebody I follow obviously, but, um, that was, that was fantastic. Now, some subjects are hard. Accountability is hard when you're doing something complicated like launching into space or even doing a crypto project, especially if, if the technology is new, we have a hard time being accountable because we barely understand what we're working with to begin with. Um, and it's okay to, to explore things that you barely understand, but if you're not accountable, you're not going to retain it. So that's, mm -hmm. that's another part of that. Absolutely. I know, I know that you, speaking of accountability, wanted to talk about Steamboat Mickey and how Mickey is no longer uh, accountable to the Disney Corporation. So, okay. So it just so happens as of January 1st of this year, Steamboat Willie, which was one of Disney's first cartoons, uh, which came out in 1928, is now in the public domain. That that uh, Steamboat Willie cartoon features Mickey Mouse. So that feature is now public domain, which means you can go and make a, uh, a uh, your own edit of that uh, of that. In fact, somebody has done it on YouTube already, and it was immediately demonetized due to uh, having copyrighted content, which which now apparently it's it's been reversed because uh, that was a YouTube algorithm. YouTube's AI apparently flagged it because it said, hey, that's Mickey Mouse. 
and since they, he, he has been since remonetized. Um, but yeah, um, Disney has actually known about this for quite a while, and they have actually put Steamboat Willie out in a number of cartoons recently. Um, I think they're building a case for suing people that that um, that take Steamboat Willie characters and try to try to do things, make make alternative versions of those characters. They can say this public domain character is too much like our slightly updated version of Steamboat Willie and thus will cause confusion in the marketplace. And then they might be able to win their copyright cases. So now that really confused me because those, those images and all the associated images, we all know it's Mickey mouse. So how can, how can they, how can they put that in public domain, but then turn around and, and try and say that Mickey Mouse is different. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to see if I can share my screen here with Steamboat Willie. Share screen. Select window or screen. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, bup, 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 bup. I'm trying. It's I, I have this weird window in StreamYard I haven't seen before. What in uh, the heck did you do to my... There it is. What did you do? Did you mess with this? No, I didn't mess with it. You're messing with it right now. Entire no, this is this is not right. Can't help you. Sorry. Okay. That's a Titans take. No, this is not the Titan show. Well, I have that ready in case you don't show hey, up. What do, you, what do you see here? Do you see it? Oh, wait. wait if I press this button. Whoa. Okay. What did you do? Can you see it now? There we go. There, now it's better. YouTube. By the way, this is animatronic for those of you who like the uh, Faz Radio theme. Um, that's a Google search on what simulates an amateur and professional. Um, this is Steamboat Willie. It's a cartoon, the first cartoon, one of the first cartoons, I believe, that Disney made in 1928, which features Mickey Mouse. Um, this cartoon... Is um, no is in the public domain. I don't know about Mickey Mouse. I don't even know if he was named Mickey Mouse at the time. Oh, I guess he was because it's right here. Can you see this right here? Oh yeah, it's public domain. Then we should just be able to play it, right? Can I hit the play button on this? Oh, this is this is a. Uh, I'm going to go to YouTube. It said not affected on that screen you were just on. YouTube Steamboat Willie. Is this it? Okay, this is Steamboat Willie right here. How long ago is this? 14 years ago. Okay. So, yes, this is in the public domain right now. Um, that would mean that you could remix it all you want. You can make videos of it. You could revoice the characters. You could do whatever you want. And then you can monetize it too. You can get money for your, your interpretation of Steamboat Willie, which is something that Disney has tried for a hundred <clears throat> years to keep you from doing, apparently. So now does this mean that everything else that came out behind it every year, there's going to be more that are going to pop yep. into public domain? Yep. 
uh, Disney, I believe, made three videos in 1928, and this is the first one. Um, so there are, Mickey Mouse, however, has changed over the years. He doesn't look like that anymore. So uh, they have, they have like this one in the lower right-hand corner. So they, they have certainly um, probably copyrighted each Mickey Mouse as it has been made. So you probably can't uh, riff off of this Mickey Mouse over here. Down here in the so, right so if that was 28, so it can, it can only be copyrighted for 95 years is what you're saying? Uh, I don't I don't know the full facts. All I know is that it's it is now in the public domain. That's kind of weird. Ninety five years. Well, it, maybe I suspect, I suspect actually that it was for seventy five years, and then and then was increased over a period of time through legal means. Um, okay. So Disney Disney guards their IP with with you know their their uh, they consider these cartoons their crown jewels, so they never want you to make any copies of it. Or, or sell it or anything like that because you'd be denying them the ability to make money with. So I'm glad. I like the ability of things going in the public domain. For example, Snow White, that's public domain. Frankenstein, Dracula, that's that's public domain. Um, how do I unshare my screen? Remove? Yes. So those things, can, you can switch screens now. Mr. Mr. Switcher, there you go. Um Man. So I'm I'm pretty stoked about the fact that there's going to be more Disney cartoons that people can riff off of because that's people need more stuff for creativity every day. Um, yeah, Disney should not be able to, in my opinion, make something and keep that IP forever. I think eventually things need to be released into the world for the world to riff on it in ways that Disney never could or would have. Uh, you can right now, but only but you can't make money doing it. And I don't know, I, at holding, holding onto IP in perpetuity, I think, is a, um, is a way to stifle innovation, not encourage it. That, that has dangerous consequences, though, for, for both sides of that argument. Done responsibly, it wouldn't be dangerous. You know, I, I like the idea of doing, having ideas done in a responsible way. Well... Again, that's that's personal opinion. Back to your bias, right? Because let let's talk about something like um, like uh, oh, like hydrogen powered vehicles, right? If Ford buys that IP and buries it so that nobody else can use it, is that in the best interest of the public? No. Because um, somebody can somebody can get some ideas from hydrogen powered vehicles, and either one make a much better hydrogen powered vehicle than was originally conceived of. They can improve upon the idea, or they can use that to inspire them for other ideas. So to bury it and make it so that nobody knows about it, you're slowing down innovation. In my now here's here's the thing though, and 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 of course we're not attorneys here. But the way that I've understood it over the years is you can take anybody's patented anything and build it and put it in your garage and use it. You just can't sell it. Yeah. So, okay, it stifles innovation because um, if they bury a technology, that means nobody knows about it. So you can bury, you can bury a competitor. So if uh, you were just talking about Jay Soto has a, has a new podcast. 
Congratulations, Jay Soto. Um, however, what if you were able to buy Jay Soto's IP and then delete all all the the pod all of his podcast? No, but the world would not know about Jay Soto. And just because you own the IP, you can prevent anybody from ever knowing about him. Well, you can do the same thing with technologies too. So if you don't know about it, you can't build it in your garage because you'll never hear about it. In fact, once you successfully build it, then they can they can have a, a you know have a lawsuit against you saying we own this IP. So you need to uh, to not build it anymore. In fact, um, you know we're, we're to to keep us from suing you even more. Um, we we want to give you an NDA. We want you to sign an NDA. So there's ways to bury technologies and keep it hidden. Maybe maybe the maybe you like maybe you want to prevent a new a new technology coming out because your company relies on that outdated technology. That's that has happened before. Right. So that's why I like things being out in the open. So what's your other suggestion for for good or bad there? Well, on the good side of that, I I do think that that there are a lot of instances where if someone has a great idea, they should be the primary beneficiary of the monetization of that, mm -hmm. right? Because I, I think a lot of effort and a lot of work and a lot of thought and a lot of whatever it is that they did to, to make that product should be able to be protected so that, you know, everybody in the world can't go out and, and dilute what you're selling. But, but then there's that downside, right? Because you kind of got the monopoly on that at the same okay. time. Okay. So say I, um, I envisioned how to make free energy from water. I, I can split the water atom and just with a glass of water, I could power like a spaceship for like a hundred years or something like that. Yes, that can, you can do that right now. Well, so we do, I do that. I make a lot of money on it and then I bury it so that only I can do this thing. And I make, uh, heck, I could make money by people paying me not to develop things. But say say I want to use it solely for myself. Okay, that means I have an opportunity to make a company and rule the world with that technology. The problem mm -hmm. is, if I'm the only one who ever has the technology, that puts me in an unfair position with the rest of the world. That means if this is a groundbreaking enough technology, say I invented cryptocurrencies, like, um, I don't know, Satoshi Nakamoto and it caught on, then I would be able to control the fate of cryptocurrencies, or I'd be the biggest target in the world because I control such a large fate. So Satoshi Nakamoto went the opposite direction. He realized that if you make something public domain, that there's no stopping it. If you want to see something happen in the world, make it free, okay? If, if, you, if, if you want to see... I don't know. Maybe maybe you you found a way for infinite food to happen, and you and and you like the idea of feeding everybody in the world, and you publish it around the world for free, and you tell everybody how to make free food, and then all of a sudden nobody will have a problem eating because everybody will see the information. But I was like just gonna bring that up, Rob. Salk. Salk. <laughs> Jonas oh, Salk with the polio vaccine. So he had an opportunity to patent it, but he wanted. Polio was such a terrible disease that he 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 made it, you know, so that everybody he could have made millions of dollars. He could have made millions of dollars for the first few years. He could have been rich for a while. Um, and insulin, yeah. Um, well, insulin, if I'm not mistaken, insulin is there's um 
only so many companies that make this. I believe there's a, right? Or maybe maybe that's public domain. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. It was something, uh, what's his name? Martin Shkreli did where he had, uh, it was some sort of diabetic medicine or something like that. He increased the price on and pissed everybody off because it was so it was so cheap before. But anyway. Oh, if you I want, remember that. If you want to change the world, make it free. If you, um, now, of course, if you want the opportunity to change the world yourself, if you think you can change the world, then sell it. But you're going to die eventually. You should give it up and let other people try after a while. But if you're going to sit there and just pass it to your kids and only your family is going to determine the fate of the world, you're no more different than, you know, anyone else who tries to control the world. Just give it to everybody. Let them fight it out. That's 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 my thing. So my mastery of segues that would that would actually a great example of a a benefit of this that could turn into a horrible monopoly that could immediately be dangerous is the use of ai in rendering mris and rendering x-rays and body scans right because it would be able to spot things that no human could even spot and notice patterns, especially if you fed it the data of scans over the last five years. It would be able to, to spot things that no human could ever spot. So it's a wonderful thing, and it would be a terrible thing at the same time because they charge they could charge people whatever they want for that technology, okay. and everybody's going to want it, right? So here's, here's what's good about what's happened with AI is it's such a universal concept that you cannot trademark or patent the concept of artificial intelligence. So basically anybody can rule their own type of AI, which is good. That's what I like. Um, I don't think that any technology, anything that's truly groundbreaking, I think that you could make a million different applications of you should make it so that those applications are patented and trademarked, not the actual underlying technology. Remember, the most popular operating system in the world is not Microsoft. It's the Linux operating system, and that's given away for free. People make money um, doing customer service on that. They, they make money writing code for that operating system and, and supporting it and, and uh, do it, doing services for it. That's why Linux is much more popular than Windows. Now, yeah, Windows is still quite popular and they can determine a lot of things in the world. But um, think about the variety of stuff that Linux is in versus the variety of things that Microsoft is in. Microsoft can't hold a candle to the number of things that Linux is in. I could go and if I want to go make a like a smartwatch right now, I probably want to use Linux because it's not it's not patented. Uh, it's, it's, well, it has a it has a license actually. The, the license says if you use this, you've got to make your code so that everybody else can see it too. It's, it's uh, the GNU public license. I I absolutely love <clears throat> Linux because uh, I I I tried it so many times over the years and I just could never get into it. It was too tough for me to learn, or I you know whatever. I have been running Fedora now for the last two and a half years on a separate box. I prefer it over Windows a thousand percent. I think it's for me for for usage for the way I use computers. It is 
just level with Mac. Mac this is this Mac that I got last year was the first time I've owned a Mac computer. And I love it and it does amazing things when it comes to video and audio processing and running these shows and doing all this stuff far exceeds anything Windows I've I've been fighting with over the last couple of years. I fight with audio and video on Linux though. But as an operating system and getting things done and I I strongly prefer Fedora. I, I absolutely I well, jump on that thing any chance to, I get. You don't have to pay for it. I mean Windows, so I have an iPhone and I have Windows uh, Windows machine and um you have to buy copies of Windows and I have to buy um iPhones and iPhones only work with iPhone things. What sucks about iPhones is I can't, you know, they're it they they're very picky about what runs on the iPhone. Uh, Siri, actually, in my opinion, is is the worst now of the of the little assistants that are out there. Um, what uh, the that uh, the Amazon version, Alexa, is a whole lot more smarter than Siri. It's more advanced than Siri. Um, and Siri, leaps and, and bounds, yeah. And that's because um, Apple might not have the uh, the the resources to develop it fast enough to catch up with the other people. Speaking of that, I want to I want to transition to AI because we're going. I already go did. Out. Yeah, well, I, I, I. So these assistants, <laughs> so these assistants are going to become more AI intelligent, and AI is going to be in every single thing you have around the house, uh, and it's already working its way in. So um, because of crypto, I was um, away from being a computer programmer for a while. Um, did other things. Um, and so I was away from the, the, the development tools that, uh, <laughs> that, that I would normally use. And I've seen how already AI is creeping into those development tools. Now, now I can do things automatically with AI components of these tools that would take me hours to do manually myself. This is awesome. This isn't a bad thing. This is awesome because that means now I'm a lot more productive. Yes, and also means other people a lot more productive too. Now, personally, yes, I would like to see an open source AI, and I'd love to see open source AI tools. But until then, you're gonna you're gonna have the more uh, uh, patented, trademarked ones. You're gonna have the proprietary ones that come along first. Okay, fine. Whatever the case is, AI being in everything we're doing makes people a lot more uh, productive. And people, I don't think people realize how much AI is going to be taking over this world. I think 20 years from now, kind of like 20 years ago, a lot of us didn't have, okay, 30 years ago, a lot of us didn't have cell phones. Most of us didn't have cell phones. And the kids today are like, how did you even exist without a cell phone? Because I mean, the whole world runs around the cell phone. I think in 20 years, we're going to be like, how did we even exist without AI? Because why? I mean, how, how do you even get things done without AI? That's, I think our, our grandkids are going to be saying this kind of thing. Oh, I don't doubt that. <clears throat> and and I did. I've asked you a question uh, in the green room and even before. So tonight, I'm going to actually sign up. I've been using Claude almost exclusively. Uh, I have I have played with, uh, with ChatGPT a bit, and you've shown me uh, things that you've been working on and the differences between the two. What is... What is the best 
overall one, because you've worked extensively with both more than even me, for that's a good mix between a business and a professional. And uh, hey, why do hamsters uh, have nine teeth? You know, so, so, so. Okay, so all the AIs, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I use Claude because Claude allows me to put more stuff into it. Um, what I like best about Claude is you could, you could drop a two me- two megs of uh, to, you know twenty megs of, of text file into it, and it could summarize that text file for you. Versus ChatGPT, after so many characters, it's done. So I, I like that about Claude. And so what I found very helpful with any AI is to summarize things. If, if you're in a meeting, for example, and you have a transcript of that meeting. Sometimes people are all over the place with how they talk in these meetings. I would love at the end of every meeting for an AI tool to automatically just summarize the dang meeting. You know, like these are the these are the takeaways from the meeting. We usually have people in the meeting dedicated for that. That person's not needed. That person could be used to actually doing the work instead of just doing secretarial stuff. So not only that, they miss things too. Um, what's even better is you can. You can post paste transcripts of multiple meetings into Claude. You know, this this you have an upload limit, but that's per upload. So you could post three long meetings and then say compare and contrast these two meetings. No, I I I get that. And and maybe I should I'm using terrible phraseology here. So I subscribe to one, two, three. I subscribe to four of those, okay? To four AIs. I'm I'm talking about bumping it to a pro level and and paying for okay. more services. So Claude so Claude has a response limit. So with ChatGPT you can talk to that thing all day and all night and it'll it'll get back to you. Um it it limits how much you can give it. Claude seems to say, well you can talk to it for the free version, you could you could talk to it like 5 or 6 times per hour. So you'd better be very specific about what you want to ask it, um, especially if you give it large files. If you just just have these <clears throat> little back and forth, like, you know, tell me how you spell something, <clears throat> I could talk to you all day. That's pretty easy. But if you wanted to, to digest a lot of data, you're going to run into that limit really quick. So when you pay for Claude Pro, you get more interactions with it. Um, JackCPT seems to allow you to, to do as many a- interactions as you want, but it, you, it, it, you get access to the latest ChatGPT, which is ChatGPT4, and soon will be 5 coming out. So you'll get access to smarter versions when you pay more money. With Claude, you get access to the smartest version even without paying any money. Um, they do have their limitations. I have found that ChatGPT is better with helping me write stories than Claude. Um, ChatGPT seems to have a little bit more of a personality in its stories than Claude does. Um, but both of them, I think, are fine for business applications. If you wanted to, to, to do summaries for you or, or, or write code, both of them seem equally useful. Although I have noticed that ChatGPT seems to kind of get what I'm saying a lot more than Claude. Um, I mean, you, you could post, you could just post something in, like I could post code in ChatGPT and say, tell me how to modify this in such and such, such, and such a way. And it'll go ahead and do it. And then you'll say, do it like this for, but for another language. You don't have to give it very much content. 
context and they'll be like, oh, I see what you mean. So ChatGPT seems to infer a lot more from what you what what you say, and you don't have to provide as much context. That said, um, I was having ChatGPT come up with acronyms the other day, and uh, my the acronym I wanted was chaos. I want chaos to be acronym for for five different words, um, and I said come up with five different acronyms for chaos, and it came up with different acronyms. And it took me about twenty questions before I could get it to figure out what the fuck it what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually had to come up with two on my own and said, said okay, here's one acronym that spells chaos. Here's another acronym that spells chaos. And then finally it goes, oh, I see what you mean. Then it came up with a lot more acronyms that spelled chaos. But it took me, I had to pretty much do the work to get it to do more. You have to provide it examples. I've noticed that as well. And I've, tr- I've played around a little bit with BARD. Uh, that's the Google version. Oh, I'm so disappointed in Bard. Yeah, and and that I've tried to explain it and give it examples, and it still doesn't pick up on what I want it to do. And here I thought that that would quickly surpass because people are Google addicts, right? And you figure it's getting fed so much data that it's going to figure this out faster than the rest. And it's a disappointment at this point. Well, Google has been so good with search and data that we've come to mm-hmm. expect that Google would just know things about AI, but AI That's is not it. The, right. It's not the same thing as search. Search is is, you know, let's let's just find matches. AI is let's let's have this 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 data figure itself out. And there's there's a different kind of algorithms to to work with and Google is just they're used to their way of doing things. AI is a different way of doing things. I, I do think um, on on the on the pro level, I would probably feel most comfortable with Claude. Um, I'm gonna still play a little bit with with chat GPT, but I want to commit to one to go deep into it. I use it on a daily basis, but not a lot. You know what well, I mean? I'm not like I've on there used, all day. I've only used Claude and chat GPT and I'm on both of them all day. Uh, like I said, Claude works for me because it takes more data. If you want to feed data to Claude, uh, feed data to to something, Claude will take more data. Um, if you wanted, you know that. So that's that's a good use for it. But I've I found it limiting when I have it like writing stories with me. Creative, yeah, on the creative side, right? ChatGPT is more creative, in my opinion. In fact, I've even showed you stories where I was, yeah. I was um, with my zip bugs, I was coming up with, um, so I wrote a whole like story Bible about how the zip bugs worked. I fed all that to chat GPT, uh, little bits at a time. And then chat GPT is able to keep track of the chat. And so now I can have it write stories. I can even write, he even have it write tweets like a zip bug would do like write a tweet that, you know, about this subject that, uh, that would come from a zip bug. And it's got, and you had it, you had it pegged to the specific personalities of a couple of those zip bugs, from what I remember. Well, well, yeah, um, I've I've been developing personalities for the bugs, but that that takes a lot of time to build that with ChatGPT because you got to say, okay, this is bug A. Bug A likes to do this. He likes to go skiing. He likes to play chess. He likes to, to build rockets, and he he's he he doesn't like this and he likes that. Tell me how he would react to something. Then you have to do that for bug number two. Then you have to do that for bug number three. Now, what you can do after you've done two or three bugs that way is you could say, analyze this entire conversation, 
and then come up with a third personality that is distinctly different from the others. So as you build up data in the conversation, you could still keep pointing back to your other data and you could say, hey, you know what you did with this guy? Make it for this other guy, but different. But you have to explain how different. So you can make characters, you can, you can write stories, you can have personalities. Um, Claude can do that too. It just seems to fall more flat. So there's something about the AI just less interesting. So do, do you think that people will get lost in that? Meaning, you know, you're, you're creating characters, you're creating your whole own virtual world within that AI bot. Do you think people are going to end up in there for 10 hours a day getting completely lost in there? Well, yeah, e easily. So I remember when Photoshop came out, I played with Photoshop incessantly. And I came up with so many pictures and so many things that, that uh, I, I wanted to keep all of them. And after a while, I had so many files, I didn't know what to do with them. And with um, I can tell you using ChatGPT to write stories is very laborious. But... It's kind of funny. Without ChatGPT, it would be near impossible to write them. So, okay, I'll choose the labor over the non-impossibility. Um, but yeah, people can get lost in there because I start getting so I got I now have a ChatGPT window so informed about the zip bugs that I can I can ask the zip bugs questions. I could say, hey, um, you know, um, tell me what you think about this, and answer that I wouldn't even know a zip bug would give. And then it gives an answer, and I think, oh yeah, yeah, he would respond that way, wouldn't I? So in one sense, you you uh, it's it's uh, you're you're learning. You you put data in, and then you can learn what your data actually means. And if you write a story, you can you can your story can teach you. It's because it's applying that story and spitting it back out at you. So I I I'm afraid to ask this question to you because I don't want a 40 minute dissertation and I have a feeling you would give one. So as succinctly as possible, could you describe for people cuz I've struggled with this and it sounds like you've got a pretty good handle on it. How do you separate things like that these these different the like folders, right? You have different, they call them different chats, right? So I have like Claude makes it easy because Claude keeps that history and it goes right down and you can pop into any window. He does that too. Okay. So how long does it keep that? Will it keep that forever? Will it eventually forget it? Do you have any idea how that works? Can you label those? I've never tried to label them or anything oh, like okay. that. So remember what we're seeing now is the first iteration of these AI things. What's going to happen is people are going, people are already finding their conversations to be very valuable. And I totally expect there to be a chat GPT studio eventually where all your chats are organized in a certain way and cross-referenced and related. And you'd be able to pick them out like you'd have a music studio or, or a, a you know, visual studio for, for C-sharp code and stuff like that. There's, there's going to be places for all the stuff. StreamYard here. We we have a place for our pictures, a place for our music, mm -hmm. and the, the backgrounds which you see right now. That's that's like a studio. But when we first started broadcasting online, nobody had backgrounds. They just had just a camera. So ChatGPT, in my my in my opinion, is like that camera. It's just saving individual chats. But after a while, you're going to say, "Hey, I got all these chats talking about zip bugs. I'd like 
you know, I, I'd like to keep going on with this and I'd like to everything you learn from that can you put together in one spot. So this is just the beginning. 20 years from now, the software we're going to be seeing with AI is going to look so different. We're going to, we're going to talk about the days when how clunky it was. It's like all you had was a prompt and you'd have to constantly ask the same question. <laughs> I actually don't want to have to do that. Um, that's why, that's why uh, I'm saving these chats. So I can jump back to the chat and I can say, you know, let's continue talking about zip bugs because it reads the whole chat before it responds to you. I like that. And, and I like where this is going. I really do. I, I think it's, it's making great steps. I, I, I wish it would come a little faster though, because you know, we're not exactly spring chickens anymore. And by the you time know, it gets super good, we're going to be like 104 years old and or dead. I, I bet in a few years that while I, I, I can tell you right now that, you know, while you're doing meetings and stuff like that, you can now generate transcripts of your meetings as they go on in chat clients. You could do it in Microsoft Teams, for example. I, maybe Discord can. I don't know. But um, I would love to be able to have AI keep me honest during a meeting. I would love. So Microsoft has something called AI Copilot, where it can read all of the data. You point it to all the data in your organization. And that means every meeting it knows about, every piece of doc, every documentation that you've saved. If somebody's had a chat about something, it's available. And so I would love to be able to have AI keep me honest during a meeting. I'd say, well, I don't know where this data is. And then you see something scroll at the bottom. Actually, so-and-so has this. It's in this folder. Be like, holy crap. <laughs> All right. And so I, I imagine AI to eventually be a part of every meeting, correcting everyone. Um, and people are going to get used to being corrected. They're going to be like, okay. And the problem is we're going to start treating it as the ultimate truth. We're going we're gonna to say, oh, well, the AI said it, it must be true. And the problem I is- I argued AI that a couple of weeks ago with you. <laughs> well, AI has hallucination problems right now. I might've said that back to you. It's sometimes with incomplete data, humans do this too. With incomplete data, it will fill in the gaps itself. That's how neural networks work. Uh, our brains are neural networks and AI are very similar to our brains. And that if there is something missing in a piece of data, it will try to- at least tell a consistent story. And so that's where you get the hallucinations. Um, and that's where it starts it starts going off into another direction. And then at least with AI, it has no ego. And you're like, why did you just tell me this tall tale? And it'd be like, oops, my bad. Yeah, well, that was totally false. <laughs> like Google like Google Bard, I was asking it questions. I, I, I told Google Bard to watch some Faz radio episodes, which it did. And then I said, respond to me like you would Faz. And Faz would respond. And I asked it a question and it said something totally off the wall, something that I'd never said. And so I said, where did you get that from? And said, well, from your episode, episode. I, you sent well, me that. I remember that. Well, from your episode, which didn't <laughs> exist, talking right? about the subject, which didn't exist. And so I said, show me a link to this episode. And it couldn't. It was like, I'm sorry, I can't find that. And I'm like, then why did you say it? Oh, well, I was totally wrong about that. So wait, how did you go so specifically wrong? Why did you come up with this? And it's like, I don't know, man. I just, <laughs> I just thought that was the case. So absolutely, I don't, I don't think Google Bard or or ChatGPT or Claude or anybody lies to you. They, I don't think they intentionally lie to you. I think that due to their nature of how they're built, they don't realize they're lying. And when you correct them. They go back and look at the data very specifically and they go, oh, yep, I was. I, I totally fabricated that. 
<laughs> Shortcuts. But us humans, but us humans, we would never, if we would never allow ourselves to, to say that we fabricated something because it's, it's morally wrong for us to lie for, for an AI, it's just an option. So it'd be like, yeah, I totally fabricated that. You'd be like, dude, that's wrong. And they'd be like, sorry, that's just how I work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what are you going to get mad at it? <laughs> yeah. So, so, I mean, if you told me I fabricated something, you, you, your threat would be, uh, well, I don't want to talk to you anymore. You say I don't want to talk to an AI anymore. It'd be like, okay, fine. I have other people to talk to. <laughs> it doesn't right. Care. It doesn't have any emotions. It's not going to care if you never talk to it again. So as there's no, it doesn't care. So at least it's honest. Um, I, I worry, of course, about all the AI that gets invented that is going to be programmed to not be honest. And that's coming. It, it, I'm sure it's happened already. Let the government get their fingers in there and it'll be all propaganda. Why the government? Why the government? It's more, more more likely to be individuals than the government. There's much more individuals than governments out there. It's going to it's going to be harder to separate all the intentional mistruths mistruths by individuals than it will be with governments in my opinion. Well, it there's not a lot of people who can program these LLMs though, right? Well, funny you mentioned that because um, Microsoft's a uh, AI Copilot Studio makes it so you can do just that. They have a set of tools for you to program your own AI. So yes, people can. They want to make it easy for you. Microsoft doesn't know all the applications of AI, so they make it so that you could program using their tool. And then if you make an application, then then it's like great, we we helped you. Uh, continue to use our studio and you can make even more neat applications of AI and they will probably use it, use your AI to further advance this, you know, their AI tools. You never know. Well, we talked about that last week and I don't want to go down a really big wormhole on this because we're already over an hour, but that's, that is a legitimate concern for businesses though, right? Because Copilot, like you were saying, is going to dig into everybody's files, everybody's emails, everybody's everything. And if that data leaks, that could be devastating to a company. And if Microsoft's going to use that to train it to work better for other companies, that's a big concern. So here's a problem. Right now, we have leaks because certain humans think about things with their own morals and they say, I want to share this to the world and I'm going to leak this data. They might leak it because they want to make money. Uh, They might hack databases because they want to expose who, who, you know, uh, frequents a certain website. Um, They they might leak something because they they believe that something is dangerous. Um, Yeah, the problem is a lot of companies don't even know their left hand from the right hand. They, they don't understand themselves enough to know. And so the leaks become dangerous because other people have an opportunity to examine their company processes that they don't even know. And so then they're on their, their back heels trying to figure out how to respond to something that somebody knows about their company that they don't. Um, I would rather a company know exactly what they have and exactly what they have to lose. And remember, AI can help you secure itself. You can say, okay, mm-hmm. we have stored you in such and such a way. Tell me of a way to get into that. So there's ways to fight against that. But if you don't have AI, the leaks still happen. So, okay, could people get your AI and quiz it and, and find out things about your company? Yeah, that's that AI we're 
connected. So you'd have to hack that AI. Remember, just because you can come up with an idea that something is possible doesn't mean it's equally as likely as other versions. If you're if an AI has to be connected to all your company's resources, um, it's going to have to stay connected for it to be most dangerous. So it, you're going to have to hack it in such a way that that the AI doesn't realize it's been hacked. That's going to be harder because AIs, in one sense, are much more attentive than you and smarter than you. Maybe not. So smarter. in a way. It's sentient, right? Well, sentient. Uh, sentient is is kind of a hard definition. Well, that's it's, what I mean. It's sort of, right? Because you could tell it, hey, let me know if someone's poking in data that they shouldn't be poking into because they don't have these permission levels. It's going to be aware of when that happens. Well, that's that's no different than an automated process watching it. However, it's a smart automated process. When I think of sentient, I think of something that knows that it is a thing and can act autonomously without being asked. But um, it'll tell you it is. If you ask it, it'll tell you it is. Well, if you ask it to constantly monitor <laughs> seven different areas, that's not acting autonomously. Autonomously is it decides it wants to do a new thing that you didn't tell it to do. So there, there's a... There are there are still a barrier with with uh, there's still a line with AI in my opinion the the AI that we're used to working with uh, it all stops at a prompt it doesn't think until you talk to it the the AI you got to be worried about is the stuff that that is designed to never stop running and I don't think that's publicly available I think that's going to be used by companies <laughs> um, in a very controlled way. Yeah, the the the, the things in a very controlled the, way. Because yeah, I mean, that... if if you design something to the point where it can get out and make its own autonomous decisions about everything, that means you've lost control of it. So nobody wants that. That has made an AI. Oh, people! There are tons of people that want that. Well, they want to see the world burn. That's right. And so those those people. <laughs> Uh, fine. Then you can copy that AI that got out into the wild, and then you can use that to help you track down the rogue one. I mean, yeah, that's 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 gonna be um, a valid thing to do. It might be in twenty years we we have some better tools out there, but now we have rogue AI causing all sorts of problems in the world. So, so there's. Uh, I'll leave it on the conspiracy theory note because we, everybody loves that as well, and and we like to dig into that. So we've learned over the past five six years now with the Mars rover that it's absolutely uh, established now that there was liquid water on Mars, there's riverbeds, there was lakes, you know, there's all that kind of stuff. The latest that has come out is that, hey, AI, there was a civilization, an advanced civilization on Mars, and AI took over and ended up destroying the planet. Nope. So no, I'm learned, just I'm telling we you, learned, we haven't people, learned this. Listen, it hasn't I'm, been learned by anyone. No, we we've learned what I said was we learned that there was liquid water on Mars. There were lakes. There were rivers. And then I I changed my thought and said, here's the new conspiracy theory that's floating around lately: is that AI, this advanced system, and it ended up destroying the planet and we're all kind of Martians now. So, we, okay. We, we were here because we were Martians. There's other planets and moons in the solar system that have what we call rivers 
and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, Titan, which is a moon of Saturn, has hydrocarbon rivers and seas and so on. It has everything that fits. Titan. There, there has a planet. Uh, the, the moon. There's Titan. not a. There's not a Faz planet. See, I've got you. I okay. there's a moon named after me. Well, but it's very cold. You're not going to survive more than thirty seconds being on that planet because it's so damn cold. But, um, so as far as the rivers and lakes and stuff on Mars, what we've determined that that I'm aware of is apparently there's there's oxygen and water embedded within the 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 ground and the strata of the planet, but there are certain things that heat things up to the point where you see water coming out of the ground and leaking all over the place, but then it dries up because the atmosphere can't hold water. So it'll all dry out. So they, they believe that they, that there's uh, repeated floods that happen on Mars. In fact, we even have some pictures that some floods have happened as recently as, as you know, just a few years ago. Um, yeah. There's, there's the, the strata marks on the rocks. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what we're wondering is, wait, it's too cold and it's too, there's not enough air pressure for water to exist. But I mean, you can, you can go to the moon and you can, you, you can go high up in the earth's atmosphere and, and have a water hose blowing water all over the place. It's just going to evaporate fairly quickly. So yeah, you can, you can have a lake form on Mars, but if it's, if it's a big lake, it's going to last about, oh, I don't know, 30 days before it's completely just gone, evaporated. So yeah, that's that's where you get riverbeds and 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 rivers and stuff like that. Probably the government will use AI to control us more. Yeah, I'm that's Big Brother. I'm worried more more about Little Brother. <laughs> little Brother is uh, all, all the people that are using AI to tattle on each other and to and to uh, to piss each other off and control you and and make your life hell. Uh, we're we're gonna have AI tell us release the real Epstein documents. Well, just wait. <laughs> yeah. Just, just wait until AI is considered a weapon. You know, you'll, you may, once AI gets smart enough, you may have to license your AI. You might have an AI for your house that can help you, you know, do your laundry and wash your dishes, but you might have to license it because it might become dangerous. Oh my God. Here we go. Here we go. Mr. Mr. Regulator He's already coming out and saying that they're going to regulate our AIs. We're going to have to submit our chats, KYC our chats, because it's for the greater good. I, th I think you're taking that a bit far. I'm saying that AI can easily become a weapon. And once it becomes a weapon, people are going to get very interested in how you're using AI. Um, you can imagine what, what can happen after that. Well, I, I think the benefits outweigh the, the negatives on that. You can learn anything, man. You could You could get a a full education on a topic in a day with AI teaching it to you. If you're, if, and AI would, can, would make it interesting enough for you to care. That's the difference. Well, the way, the way we learn right now. Right. It learns your personality yep. and it knows how to communicate with you. And that's well, both it, awesome and scary. We could say it could. We, uh, I don't think chat GPT really learned your personality but uh, AI could. So let's let's fi finish this up with how do you see the world in 20 years with AI? Uh, I, I said this earlier where I think it's going to be just like 30 years ago. We didn't have cell phones and we were we were basically fine. And now everybody can't live without checking their cell phone 65 times a day. 
we're going to find that more things are important to us. Remember that each bit of tech that we have prevents us from having to do it ourselves. So if, if you have, um, uh, what do you call it? If you have a, um, a pallet loader and, 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 uh, and a little forklift, sorry, if you have a forklift and some pallets, you can move around things that you couldn't normally do yourself. You'd have to, you could, you could stack a bunch of little items on a pallet and then you carry it across the room. The way you'd have to do that before is you'd have to carry each item across the room. You can also carry things with a forklift that you could not pick up on your own because they're too big and too heavy. How would you move it previously? You'd need a lot of people. You couldn't do it with one person. Well, the same thing with AI. A lot of things we do right now that require multiple people will only require one person. So this will be in everything that you do that requires multiple people. Um, anything like I was, I was talking about when you're in a meeting at work, you're not going to need somebody to transcribe it. You're probably going to have AI as a contributing member of the meeting just to, just to help refine people's ideas and, um, and, and keep everybody honest, which means you might need, need less people in that meeting because you, you might need more people because they have a lot of experience. Well, if the AI has all the experience, maybe it's just you talking to an AI, maybe a, a good successful business will only ever need one or two people. Maybe there'll be an Amazon that only has one or two people running it and AI doing the rest. That's good uh, because you can, you can easily be a lot more successful. Now, of course, you're going to say that's going to put a lot of people out of jobs. No, it won't actually because all those, because if AI is going to make something as powerful as Amazon, that means there's going to be more Amazons. It doesn't mean... <laughs> It doesn't mean that Amazon is going to be replaced. It means we're going to be able to do more with less. So everybody, I think, is going to be commanding a legion of AI uh, in their life, either on your phone or in your house or whatever. A lot of things that you do to, to maintain your house, like maintain your yard, maintain, you know, make sure your house doesn't fall apart, fix things up, um, you know, watch your kids, whatever. AI is going to do a lot more aspects of that. <laughs> watch your kids? Of course it could. Um, it, You're going to hook up your camera to your AI and, and have it watch your kids? Well, think about that. What what does watching kids really mean? In one sense, when you hire a babysitter, you want to be able to leave the house and come back knowing that your kid hasn't killed himself and, and maybe has had some love and attention. What if you had an AI that understands your personality so much that it can respond just like you and it could watch the kids? It could, it could stop them from uh, getting into danger you know, you don't, you don't need to program a lot. Um, so you might have one babysitter that can watch three houses. Theoretically. Oh my God. And the AI would simply tell it, uh, this is important. Well, now that's a far out example because we prefer humans to watch humans, but yes, it's, it's been predicted <laughs> for many, many years that robots will, will be watching humans after a while, but anything else that you're doing, uh, working on your car, you know, you're constantly having to take, you know, you have to take your car to get fixed at, at a mechanic shop. What if AI was in your car? What if your car had the ability to repair itself? Now you don't need all those people at the repair shop because the car could do it, which means you're going to pay more money to the car companies or whatever company might install an AI component in your, your car. They're making AI chips now, AI computer chips, which I think you mentioned in our last talk. That was fascinating. I hope, so I hope everybody dug into that too. So those chips, just like we have a, a CPU in our phones, in our computer, those chips 
and just like just like having a graphics chip, your uh, your your computer is just going to be smarter, and you don't won't have to type as much on your computer. You'll just ask it to do things, and then it'll just do it for you. Twenty years from now, I'll be old and won't care. Well, you won't have to think as much. Like I, I have ADHD. There's a lot of things I forget. I love the fact that I can constantly ask AI, like, "Hey, can you refine this for me? Can you? I, I forgot about this. Can you? Can you tell me what we were?" We're, you know, all the things we were talking about. We talked about 12 things. And I can only remember like five of them. So as I get older, yeah, I'll be forgetting more and it'll be helping me more. Maybe it'll make me a lot more productive. Um, in, whereas 100 years ago, I, I could just sit in a room and just do nothing. <laughs> changes. AI will exterminate us because it learns from us. Yeah. Doesn't It won't like us very much because we're assholes. <laughs> Humans are just inherently assholes. That doesn't mean they'll use it. I was recently at a Mexican resort and they were redoing their pool. I was there and they had 20 laborers refinishing the concrete. Um, yeah, until somebody brings in something, uh, some sort of technology that would make it cheaper. But nobody wants to do it because they can't find maybe maybe can't find a lot of work over there. It also depends upon the political situation. Well, it could it could help you find the cheaper labor, recommend machines that you could use to make it go a lot a uh, lot quicker, a lot better, right? I bet. So, well, I bet all those twenty. I bet all those twenty laborers that are that are in Mexico refinishing that pool. They probably a lot of them have cell phones. So, cry me a river. <laughs> they're already their their lives are easier because they have a cell phone. So yeah, AI is going to slip into their cell phone and and then. Um, I mean, it's it's going to slip into the other areas, even if they want to do the, the concrete by hand about that. So when I was in the military, I was at a duty station and um, it was I, I worked at a I was at a foreign air base. Um, and I noticed that uh, they hired a lot of foreign workers to do things that that people could do with machines like they didn't have lawnmowers. They had people with with hedge clippers cutting the grass. Why? Political reasons. If you could employ twenty guys with hedge clippers, that that was that could do the same thing as one guy with a lawnmower could do. You, you're getting you're you're currying favor with that country. So in that case, a lawnmower might hurt you. It w- would be a bad choice. So yeah, of course, AI is going to do some work, but humans are are still going to be be human to each other, and we're we're going to still have corruption, and we're going to still use, have social reasons to not do things. So yeah, you have 20, 20 laborers doing concrete because that's the most economical thing that their political system can handle right now. Maybe that's just you know you scratch my back, I scratch yours. I you you let um, I'll hire twenty of your favorite uh, of your friends if uh, if I could do this or, or if you could let me have this this thing. So yeah, I mean corruption's always going to exist. So We're human, yeah. that's why. I, I, I think people are, are worrying about the day that we start competing with that AI starts competing with us. And that would be AI that got out into the wild and it would have to be smart enough to be able to do anything and everything and be mobile enough to, to evade detection and can keep doing what they're doing. I think AI will find if it's smart enough, it'll find places where it could be, which we would never find them as long as it keeps to itself and does what it wants to do. It, it, it'll be fine and we'll never see them. The question is, if AI doesn't need to eat and it doesn't need to sing and it doesn't need to talk, 
It's not going to compete with us for those things. It's going to do other things that we would find too boring or repetitious to do. So how are we even going to compete with rogue AI? When they take over the world, what are they taking over? Why would they want to take it over? We want to take over the world because we crave power. So if the, if the AI somehow craves power and has emotions, yes. If it doesn't have emotions, there's no reason for it to. So that's, that's what I want to point back to when everybody says AI is going to take over the world. The question is going to be why. If it has emotions, <clears throat> well, then, I mean, it's effectively human in, in digital form. Maybe it could get to that point at some point. Then in that sense, they're humans, uh, just not in, in a human body. Biologically not a human. But we could have that discussion about what's biologic and what's well, not. So that here, won't go over very well, though. If you could, if you could replace every <clears throat> single neuron in a human brain with with some sort of you know software connection, or is it still a human? Well, if it didn't grow on its own, it probably isn't human. But if it's a total facsimile of a human, it is effectively a human. Just imagine the racism that's going to happen in the future. Between well, humans and facsimiles of humans. That that's, that's gonna, easy, <laughs> right? They can clone right now, so they can clone it with. They can clone me and put an AI brain in here with that neural network, and you probably wouldn't know the difference. Okay, and then neither would you. And the problem would be, uh, which Titan would would feel like he's the actual Titan? See, that's the thing is if, if, if you're able to, to completely photocopy Titan into an electronic form, now they both have the same memories as you. They're both going to feel like they're the valid mm -hmm. one. So you would, you would have to be basically, you know, what, turning on yourself in order to, uh, to compete against that guy because he's you. He would want all <laughs> the things that you want. So yes, he would probably realize he, he should be going different directions with all this other stuff. Right. So I would I would want to follow the smarter Titan. Well, then you're not Titan anymore. You're 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 uh, subservient to to the better Titan, which is going to make you resent him. And he's not going to respect you because if that's that's an interesting thing. If you could make facsimiles of humans in A.I., that's where you can get the power for them to want to take over the world. If you they can, can do if, anything if you. Well, we don't know that yet. What we I don't I don't know if we've done if we've what I don't know we've done yet is if we've had anything replicate human emotions. Once we do, I think we're fucked. It can replicate them. It might not feel them, but well, it can make you believe that it it has emotions. Absolutely well, right. But it, and unless it has them, there's no good use for them. If if see we're we're ruled by emotions. Oh, the emotions rule us. And we have to spend a lot of time and effort to not be ruled by our emotions. Well, an so, AI can turn it off. It's not going to care about power and greed and sex and video games because it doesn't because emotions are what cause you to want those things. So we're in a rabbit hole now and now you're in trouble because if an AI machine demonstrates empathy, then it's demonstrating that it has emotions the validity of the emotion, you have to somehow validate emotions. And that's going to be virtually impossible to do. And that is where race, uh, the racism is going to begin. See, there are already people thinking that certain AIs are sentient. 
And there are already people, and certain AIs might even believe that they have emotions. At what point is that actually true? We don't know. And that's where we're going to, that's where there's always going to be, just like there are flat earthers and, and moon, la moon landing deniers, there's going to be people <laughs> that will deny till their dying breath that an AI actually has emotions. And will, will we know? We can't know. Uh, it's... <laughs> We, we, we will not be, it's, it's like, can you, can you tell me if another human actually has emotions? Well, maybe. Can you, can you rip apart a human and find the emotions in there? No, you can't. You can only find it by questioning a human. So you're not going to be able to, I mean, you can question an AI, but you don't know if it's faking or not. Right. So emotions don't exist, right? We don't know. You can't quantify it. Well, we we uh, we can quantify it for humans, but we can't seem to quantify it outside of something that has grown up completely as a human. Psychopaths have fake emotions, right? You okay, can you, you can demonstrate any emotion, even as a human. You can fake an emotion. Yeah. And is that how do you quantify that as an actual emotion? And the AI can do the exact same thing, so you can't quantify that as not having emotions either. Well, that's a, that's it's a, a conundrum. Point. It's that's a, a very, hold on, very hold on. That's a that's a good point because <laughs> be careful about how you predict things because just because there are humans that can fake emotions doesn't mean all humans can do it. Yet when you talk with people, and I would dare say when you talk with conservatives, they will insist that anyone can fake an emotion, and just because one person could do it, anyone can do it. Bullshit. Uh, yes, Anyone can lied. fake it. It may not well, be believable, but they can fake it. Well, we can fake it, but how how believable is it? You know, I can I can fake wanting a cookie and eating the cookie, and nobody would know the difference. But can I fake wanting a cookie every day? After way after a while, you're going to see through my ruse. Well, but the AI will be much better at that than you will. Yep. And again, that's where they're going to think that that it's sent, sentient. How do you say that? Is that right? You keep correcting me. Sentient when it's not. And well, and that's something like you said, it's it's almost unknowable, which it means, is. OK, here. Here's another here's another philosophical conundrum. Fine. Say it does fake it all the time. Does it matter? <laughs> I mean, it's faking it for a reason. Do those reasons effectively make it sentient? Effectively, well, not, not really, but effectively. Then that that proves that we aren't either. Well, it doesn't prove anything. It says it does. It's possible, if, it's possible well, that we aren't. Yes, we aren't. We aren't. Well, we if you want to use that argument, humans have been classifying, reclassifying other humans for for thousands of years. Remember, remember. Um, the United States' own uh, terrible past history and slavery, where we quantified black people as being part of a human, not fully human. And thus, the, the term uh, all men are created equal didn't apply to them. So just like we, we did, did that with, with other humans, we will certainly do that with machines. Ooh, that's a very, very deep thought. Uh -huh. Very, very deep thought. And I, I'm going to end on that, but that was yeah because we're going to get into AI rights. That's a whole show in itself is AI and and rights. So was, we're we're going to have to hit that one. That'll be a read, good one. Read Isaac Asimov. Uh, he mm -hmm. wrote that stuff in the 50s and 60s, 
about that kind of stuff. Anyway, I'm going to end this because All we're right. going way late. Thank you for everybody who's hung with us till the very end. We appreciate you. We'll see you next week.